All right. Well, welcome to Mind Body Whole Wellness Freedom Through Connection podcast. I'm your host, Jen Arnimo, here today to talk about navigating the body's internal compass. Um, whether it is a full body yes or a hard no and ways that we can connect to listening to that internal compass. And so today I have a special guest with me, uh, somebody who I have known for several years, um, a dear friend, Amy Fogarty. She is a registered nurse with a doctorate in nursing. We met in 2018 at a yoga intensive training weekend. Uh, so he, she's here with me today to talk about this topic of navigating the body's internal compass. So I'll let her introduce herself and then we'll get into the conversation. How are you, Amy? Thank you, Jen. Uh, it's an honor to be with you. It's always an honor to, to connect with you and to chat with you. Uh, we've had so many of these conversations uh, over the past few years and I'm excited to to chat with you via a podcast. So I'm doing well. And as you said, I'm an, a nurse by background. I'm studying yoga therapy currently. I'm working uh, in the yoga realm and um, I own Yara Yoga. And I'm just grateful to be here with you today to chat and to unpack this question a bit, because I think it is a really important question, you know, to explore how do we truly connect to our yes, to our no, to know when we want to hold on, to know when we want to let go, and all of those types of questions. So thanks, Jen. Mm -hmm. Well, the way we've been trying to formulate this discussion to be the most helpful to the listeners is through a series of questions. So kind of spur of the moment here, we're going to do an interview style with uh, to try and get out or best express some of the ideas we've had around this topic. So I'm going to let uh, Amy lead with the questions today. Thank you, Jen. These are, quest are questions I've um, been honored to chat with you about over the years, but I'm really excited to dive in with you today and to hear your answers to some of them and to, to chat about them a, a bit more. Uh, so my first question for you today, Jen, is how do you connect to your heart or your internal compass? What tools do you use um, to really check in with yourself? It's a great question. What I found through all of the learning, um, reading, but most importantly through my own personal experiential practice is finding something that works for me to connect you know, all aspects of myself. So my mind, my heart, my gut. I think so often um, we are conditioned or, um, or I guess conditioned to override our gut response or to ignore our emotions, especially in um, you know, Western education systems, there's a really strong focus on our cognitive function and the brain being able to think our way out of things and you know, to just educate the mind. And I feel like part of accessing this internal compass is getting all parts of ourselves in alignment. So the head is super important. Our cognitive function is of course important but also bringing the heart online and bringing the gut online so that, you know, finding ways that we can unite that mind, breath, body connection or head, heart and gut connection. Thank you, Jen. And I would love to know what are some of the practices that you use when you 
really want to connect to your mind and your heart and your body, or if you're feeling disconnected, what would you, what would you tell someone that they could do to really um, tap, tap into that connection? So I think um, having a practice that gives yourself, gives yourself time to yourself. So creating solitude, creating space, creating silence, um, not necessarily stillness. So you could, you know, you could be out in nature walking, it, whatever resonates for you to create that space to connect inward. So it could be with movement. It could be with meditation. It could be walking in nature. For me personally, I like to have both. I like to have a morning meditation. I like to have a movement practice. Um, what I really like working with, with clients is having a somatic movement practice or a somatic yoga practice so that you can get the benefits of all three, both mindfulness or meditation movement and the breath. So anything that you can do for myself personally is um, finding some stillness, connecting into slow intentional movement, moving through the body with movement and my breath. So like I would be inhaling into contraction and exhaling through release and just finding a really quiet space to get connected to my physical body, to my breath and, and letting, letting the breath be the focal point for my mind as I'm traveling through the body with movement. Thank you, Jen. I know that the way in which you guide practice and have been supporting me over the past few years and really connecting my mind, body, and breath has been, has been powerful. So I appreciate you sharing a little bit about that. And also just sharing about the power of nature, because, you know, it doesn't have to be complicated. You know, sometimes it is just getting outside, getting in the woods, getting still. So we create space for ourselves, but um, the way in which you have helped me to link mind, body, and breath through, through movement um, and even through stillness has been really supportive through some guided meditations that you've um, supported me with and, and have shared with me. So I appreciate you sharing that. Another thing that, that's just coming up for me as you speak about that is that idea of like the microcosm and the macrocosm, because I think what can happen for us is when we create little pockets of time where whether it's through meditation or through a mindful movement practice um, on our yoga mat, or through walking in the woods, when we really connect to our heart and take time to do that, that becomes a thread that then follows us into our daily lives. So that as we are making decisions and leading with our hearts, we're just staying more connected through the day. Does that feel like truth to you as well? Absolutely, very much. I think what we're practicing for in our personal practices in that time we carve out for ourselves is the basis or the foundation of how we show up with the rest of the world, but the the um, like the tenets of of doing of having a yoga practice is to find more freedom in your life. And to me, finding freedom, we find freedom through connecting, through connection, first to ourselves, number one, and then connecting to others. And the foundation of that connection with ourselves, with our internal landscape, is what really sets us up well to connect and. Um, connect and create and go out and, and be in relationship with other people. 
Thank you, Jen. That that resonates with me too. Definitely. I love the idea of connection first with self and then letting it from there kind of flow out into our connection with others and uh, connection with nature as well as the world. Um, so if you're open to another question, I have another question for you. And that is, how do you know when it's time to let something go or to move on? Because I think that's a question that many of us struggle with, you know, this idea of holding on to something and, and maybe feeling like it's time to let go, but not being totally sure. And I, I think it can be just something that that's common. And I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Mm -hmm. Some of my favorite ways are, are things that we've talked about that you've actually shared with me. Um, but prior to that, for me, the knowing is an internal felt sense. It is it is the result of continually or daily finding time to connect to yourself. So having this practice, whatever it looks like, where you can just be with yourself in silence and solitude, even in stillness, and connect to your body's felt sense or what we call in the overworld interoception. When the mind, the breath and the body are all connected and we're listening internally, all of our senses that are so used to being externally focused in the noisy world, like what we're looking at, what we're hearing, what we're, you know, what we're interacting with, we turn all those senses inward and we start listening to what our heart is saying and what our gut is saying and, you know, what our mind is saying. But when all three are united and they're all saying the same answer, when the body feels it's a full body, yes. When there's no disconnection, there isn't anything that's out of alignment. The mind's like, yes, that's a good idea. There's rationale, there's reason there's, you know, there's cognition, but it's run through the, through the filter of the heart and the heart says yes. And we'll talk a little bit more, I think about the heart language and then the, the gut, the, you know, our instinctual safety zone is telling us it's a yes too. So when all three of those things are in alignment, to me, I connect to that felt sense, that interoception of full body, yes. And if there is something that's even a little bit off, just a little bit of nagging sensation. If it's not a full body, yes, for me, it's a hard no. So all three things. And it's leaning into that and trusting that in little, in little decisions to start with. And then the more and more you stay connected to this internal compass, could also be called our intuition. It's that full body knowing. The more we do that, the more we can lean, lean into and live into that daily in bigger and bigger ways. And then it just becomes like a total felt, felt sense knowing of, yes, this is a full body yes to this. Thank you, Jen. One thing that it reminds me of too is the way in which um, you shared with me in meditation of having an open hand so that we're not grasping and, and really having um, this felt sense of trust that whatever is for me will stay and whatever isn't for me will like fall through my fingers. And so that's been a really powerful visualization for me as well. And then you mentioned um, you and I having chatted about this recently and two practices that, um, you know, that we talked about. The first one related to this idea of letting go is, is it something that I struggled with? And I think, you know, about a year ago, I came to you and, and really um, wanted to chat a bit about this idea of letting go. And I shared with you, um, you know, maybe not at that time, but that's when this, this practice first came to me, uh, is this, this idea of holding a rock. So I was chatting with someone about this idea of letting go. And they asked me, do you have that felt sense? Do you know what it feels like 
to truly be ready to let something go. And at that time, I wasn't really sure. I felt like, I don't know, I think I know how to let go. I'm not sure that I do. And um, the practice that was given to me, I, I live in Minnesota, and, um, and they recommended that I go up to the North Shore and find a rock that was about the size of my palm. And, um, and to find a rock that I could easily hold um, and, and let my hand be palmed down. So something that I could hold palm down, you know, pretty comfortably, but not too small, like that just right size. And I was told to just stand there by the, the shore of the lake and to hold a rock and to let myself kind of just connect to this sense of, you know, of holding on and letting go and to hold the rock until I started to become tired. And once I felt in my body that I no longer could hold the rock rather than letting it slip or rather than like tossing the rock into the lake, I was given the practice of consciously opening my hand and letting it go. And so this was the recommendation that I had, but it was given to me. And I think like, I don't know, November or something, <laughs> maybe it was this spring. I don't remember, but it was a time of year that, that was relatively cold and windy in Northern Minnesota. And so the weekend that I really felt like I needed to do this practice, I couldn't go up to the North shore and I wanted to find a rock and all that I could find in my house was a mango. And so I found a mango in the fruit bowl that was like the just right size, the size of my palm. And I kept practicing this practice, right? Like I explored this practice with the mango um, into a fruit bowl. And, um, and I feel like I did it for a couple of weeks and, um, for a few weeks, like I would um, make my husband breakfast and he would get like kind of a mango that was like a little, a little beat up. And I, I never shared with him at the time what I was doing, but, um, but it makes me laugh just thinking about it, but it was a powerful practice for me in this, in this idea of letting go. And then the second practice or, um, thing that I sometimes sit with when I have that idea of letting go is, um, the idea of flipping a coin. So not that we would let the coin make the decision for us, but like that visualizing that I'm flipping a coin on a decision, yes or no. Um, and like that when the coin is in the air, you kind of know which one you're wishing for. And so um, I like that idea or that thought around, around the, the flipping of a coin. Again, not that it's the idea that the coin would decide for you, but that when the coin is midair, you know what you actually want. Um, so those are my two practices that I know we've chatted about. I think there was another one that you had mentioned. Um, you had asked what feels like yes. And there, there was a simple practice, like even as simple as just using this the kind of simple practice to decide what you want to have for dinner. Like, does it feel like, I think the analogy you used was, does it feel like spaghetti or liver? Was that the two? Yeah, probably. That was probably it. And that is, I, I think, a really great way to start. So when we're, we're trying to make big decisions for ourselves, I think it's really hard to make big decisions if we're not in the practice of making small decisions or have that felt sense really connect to like, what does a yes feel like? And I definitely, um, for myself, I literally had to practice with what do I want for dinner? And I remember going through a, a, a big transition in my life when I was, you know, about 30, about 10 years ago. And, um, and that was my practice. Like I knew I wanted to move more in the direction of joy and it started with like trying to really feel out like, what is it I want for dinner or where is it I want to live or making small choices, like, like the dinner choice and, um, and asking yourself, if you can say to yourself, do you like pie? And like, if you go, oh yeah, that's what yes feels like, you know, do you like liver? And if you don't love liver, um, you might go, oh, that's what no feels like in my body. And so I think sometimes practicing in that way can be supportive 
as well as on our yoga mat, because I think there's ways in which we might move in our yoga practice. And you notice like, oh, does this feel supportive or not? And that's another way in which I feel like yoga for me is like this little microcosm of getting really clear on my yes and no, uh, so that I can take that thread, you know, into other areas of my life. Mm -hmm. That's great. Thanks, Jen. Are you ready for another question? Sure. Okay, so this is, um, you know, just like, what do you personally do um, when you feel ambivalent or you can't decide what to do? Because we can say, oh, you know, look for this felt sense of yes or no. But do you have any strategies or things that you would suggest when you're, when there's a big decision you're trying to make and you're feeling maybe torn between two things or between like a yes and a no? Because it, sometimes it can feel a little confusing. So do you have any tips or strategies when, when you are finding yourself like, oh, I'm indecisive? Yes. My number one go-to when I'm trying to work on a, on a big decision is, is space, is giving myself space and giving myself some solitude. And it's not necessarily one specific practice, more so than giving myself extra time to tune in to that body's felt sense. So, you know, spending some more time in meditation in the morning um, and holding that th those questions in my awareness when, when I'm meditating or when I'm walking in nature and not necessarily having to decide between either or, but just sitting with one choice and is, does that one feel like the right one? I think so often we, we, expect ourselves or ask ourselves, is it this or is it this? Like there's only one of two choices instead of asking the question, like say it's between apples and oranges. Well, what you, am I gonna eat an apple or am I gonna need an orange? And instead of it being, you know, either or, just focusing on the one question, do I wanna eat an apple? Like and letting it sit with that. And what does that feel like in my body? And and not letting it run so much through the cognitive filter of all the pros and cons of that apple, but what does the body say? What is my body saying as I sit with this one aspect of the decision? Um, and then using any number of those tools that we, you just spoke to, um, the coin toss one is one that I've been using a lot, like throwing that, putting an apple on one side of the coin and an orange on the other and flipping it in the air. And I know which one I want to be facing up at the end of that coin toss. And so running through all of these practices, um, but really listening, taking time to listen to if there's any, any misalignment, like any felt sense of something's not quite right. Um, as, as long as there's something there, then I let myself um, keep being with that question. And that's not like with everything. I'm not make, I'm not doing this long process with every single meal choice, but with the big choices, like where am I gonna live? Where do I wanna spend the winter? Where, you know, do I want to say yes or no to this, to this job, to this project? Um, you know, letting, letting my body decide, letting that internal compass decide all aspects of it. Oh, thank you, Jen. I feel like it was really powerful what you just said about rather than saying, do I want an apple or an orange? Again, it's not really about an apple or an orange. It's the big things, right? It's the, do, where do I want a winter? Do I want this job? Do I want to quit my job? But rather than saying, like, there's only two choices, an apple or an orange, saying, do I want an apple, yes or no? Is this relationship 
right for me? Yes or no. Is this job right for me? Yes or no. And, um, and letting ourselves run it through, through the question that way. Um, you know, when I was thinking about that question, the first thing that came up for me too, is that idea of giving it space, right? Not trying to force the decision, but giving ourselves a little time and a little solitude to make the decision. And another thing that came up for me as I, you know, just really was thinking about this question as I was writing it out and reflecting on it was just how powerful it's been for me to have someone like you in my life to let myself ponder these questions with, you know, that you'd never come to, like, I know that I could share with you a question and you're not going to tell me the answer, but that sometimes in just speaking it out loud, I can hear my answer come forward. And so I think sometimes having, you know, a trusted yoga therapist or a trusted friend that, um, that doesn't try to solve our problems, but that gives us space to, um, to come up with a solution and to get really clear on our own. And that, um, that is supportive of that. Another aspect um, to this question is just, you know, how does trust play into this for you? Because as I'm thinking about this, I feel like so much of life is really uncertain. And I think, you know, if we say yes to that job or we say yes to that relationship or no to that job or no to that relationship, it feels like there's an element of trust because, you know, we're just making the decision that feels right and aligned in the moment, but we don't know what will happen next. And I feel like sometimes that's a barrier. Do you, what do you, what's your relationship like to trust or when you, when you think about those big decisions? Yeah. And another thing too, around decision-making is, as a, as a way we think of things, instead of it being either, or, you know, it becomes this both and, and there's no right or wrong and there's no success or failure. We're just, we're stepping into the moment into experiencing something. And I've let go a, a, a lot of this idea that I'm either going to succeed or I'm going to fail. Because to me, there is no failure. We're just on this continual learning path where I trust that if I make a decision based on this full body yes in the moment, that it will take me to where I next need to be. And so that might not necessarily be pleasant or it might not necessarily be what I planned, but I have an inherent trust that when I run my decisions through this internal compass to get the full body yes, that that will bring me to my next perfect place. That regardless of the level of pain or pleasure, uh, you know, success or, or, or failure or um, however we might traditionally look at outcomes, that wherever we are is the next perfect place we need to be. And that is something I inherently trust from having lived, lived this decision-making process through this lens over the last several years. Absolutely. It, you're already speaking to the, you know, the next question that I had about like these things that get in the way of what, what allows us to honor what it is that we want to do. And I, I think that fear of failure is really a big one for so many of us that we are, um, we are afraid of an outcome versus really anchoring into that sense of trust that even if things don't go as planned, that, that we'll have the tools to meet ourselves, you know, right where we need to be. And that it, that that too is a part of our journey, but that we really can't go wrong when we're following our heart or listening to that internal 
compass. Um, so I appreciate you sharing that. What, what else do you feel like gets in the way for people of honoring what it is that they want to do? We talked a little bit about trust, fear of failure. Um, are there other things that you've found as stumbling blocks for yourself or you've seen working with others? The two biggest ones that come back to what, what we hold unconsciously as failure is our conditioning and our stories. And they're very closely tied. So, you know, going through this work of yoga therapy that we dig into a lot of shadow work and then a lot of what makes us tick. And that is probably my favorite aspect of yoga therapy. It's my favorite aspect, uh, aspect of, um, of self-awareness is learning what makes me tick. What are my stories? What is my conditioning? Where, does, where did it come from? And we've talked about this too, which could be a subject for a whole other podcast, was or is taking off autopilot, taking off cruise control. Just like when we're driving a car, cruise control serves a very important function. It, it makes the vehicle more efficient. It burns less gas. You know, it's, it's there for a reason. But if we never turned off cruise control, I mean, it could have super dangerous detrimental effects. And so much of our bodies, our mind, body, heart, emotions, you know, our mental realm, our emotional realm goes on autopilot or gets put on cruise control for efficiency as we're, so that we have more energy to learn things. And so digging into those different layers of autopilot or cruise control, like what is running the show that we're not aware of? What childhood beliefs? What were our stories around money or around relationships or around what success is or what failure is? Like digging into, is that, is that something that feels true to me now? Was that um, a conditioning that maybe a fearful parent taught, you know, instilled in me or my education system instilled in me or my, you know, cultural background, religious background, start digging into like, what are, what is the conditioning that set up the programming for what my beliefs are around success or failure or what I should do? Um, and then like our stories, like our stories of what we've told ourselves, our survival personalities that we created, you know, at a very young age to have our needs for belonging and love met. Those are really powerful unconscious motivators for, for how we act and how we make our decisions. And it's a lot of fear-based thinking that if we make the wrong decision, we're going to lose that love or belonging. Um, and so getting really into the more subtle, more unconscious um, stories and conditioning is a big thing that gets in the way of listening to our to our heart gut mind connection like that gets in the way it interrupts that internal compass when you think about it so the internal compass is within us anytime we're listening to that conditioning or to our stories those are voices that are coming from outside of ourselves so that's why we need this intentional time to connect internally so that as well as bringing self-awareness to what this conditioning and, and storytelling are so that we can know the difference between the voices outside of us and what our internal compass is telling us. Oh, thank you, Jen. I definitely resonate with that. I, I think the, the stories that we tell ourselves, those limiting beliefs, that old conditioning uh, or shadows, you know, things of that nature are it's really powerful when we start, you know, giving some light to those things, when we start bringing them into conscious awareness so that we can step out of autopilot, as you said, and 
for me in my own journey, I would say that I've, I really struggled with fear. And, um, and I know that's something that I've shared with you a lot. And so it's not that the fear goes away, but when we recognize that, you know, when we recognize the fear, the limiting belief, we can practice being brave. And, and I just think that's such a powerful thing. And, um, and I'm so grateful to you for, for supporting me, you know, as a friend, um, you know, and really as a, a mentor to me in, in making brave choices. So, so I think that is, um, yeah, is really powerful. I also think sometimes we get stuck in the, um, in the what if, you know, in the negative what if versus, and, you know, again, that probably goes into limiting beliefs and old stories versus the, the what if of possibility. Sometimes we get stuck in the, in the negative spiral of what if, what if, what if, um, everything goes wrong. And we don't, we don't even consider what if things could be better than I ever dreamed? What if what's lying on the other side of this decision is, is pure joy is everything I dreamed of. And, um, and so I think that can be a, a challenge too. And not that, you know, it needs to be either one, but, but I, I loved how you, when you shared about really connecting to what's truly on our heart and just trusting that whatever is meant for me next will, will be there. And I think our lives so often make, make sense in retrospect, right? We can look backwards and we can see how one decision led to the next, to the next. And it paints this beautiful, whether you paint a picture or tells this beautiful story, but that our journey in the moment sometimes doesn't, you know, isn't as clear. Um, looking back, I feel like I can, um, you know, draw out a lot of wisdom or see, you know, how one thing led to the next or were stepping stones. But um, I really appreciate this discussion. So I have another question for you, Jen, and I would love to know about one of the bravest or maybe a couple of the bravest decisions you've ever made, whatever you feel open to sharing and really, you know, what, where have you stepped into being brave? Well, the biggest one, the biggest one that ties into this, what you've just been speaking to was my decision to leave corrections. And that was a big choice. That was like a literal stepping through a fear curtain. There was so much conditioning and story tied up in leaving that very secure um, career. Like I had been in for almost 20 years at the point of making this decision was probably around 15 or 16, but of do I make this choice? Because not only was it coming up against my fears of, and my conditioning about what security was, you know, growing up being told, you know, you, you go to school, you find a secure job, you buy a house and you just work in this job so that you can retire. Like all of the societal norms that were tied up with that career in corrections. And you know, the stories around, well, this is what I'm trained to do. What else would I do? Like, I don't have any other schooling. I got out of high school and went into this career. What else could I do? And then it would come up against other people's fears, like my parents' fears, their stories around what safety looked like and what security looked like and a good job would, and why would you leave a good job? And all my coworkers came up against their fear. Like, are you crazy? Why would you live a, leave a government job? Like, it's such a good paying job. What are you gonna do? And so, knowing and are acknowledging the story, knowing and acknowledging the conditioning, everything else that was there, but also trusting 
and listening to my body. I was starting at that point to listen to my body. Something's not right. I can't keep doing this or I'm going to keep getting sicker and sicker. And so knowing at a visceral felt sense level, even before I had the, the tools of yoga therapy, because I wasn't going to school yet at that point, like my body was telling me something needs to change or else you are going to get sick or like, this is not sustainable for you for the next 20 years. And so then starting to go to school and starting to get some of these tools, starting to do a little bit of shadow work, acknowledging the story, acknowledging the conditioning, and then actually putting it out there to the universe. I was reading a book at the time, I think it was, oh, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but she said, ask the universe for a sign, which sounds pretty cliche, but um, I was driving to school in Duluth on a winter day and I said, okay, well, universe, I know I'm ready to quit corrections. I'm going back to school. I have this plan. I have this cognitive plan, this rational plan involving to-do lists and all of these, you know, rational ways of phasing out of corrections into this new career. But there was still a fear curtain, like to just make the jump, to make the leap, to actually quit. Um, I asked the universe, I said, I want to see a wolf. I hadn't seen a wolf in the wild for like 10 years. And so I'd been driving back and forth from Thunder Bay to Duluth for probably, I don't know, a year, maybe two at that point, probably two at that point. And I was coming around a little corner and it was a sunny winter day and out of the bush steps this big gray wolf. And she stood on the snowbank, and as I drove by, like tears started welling up in my eyes. She looked right at me, and, and I slowed down. And I drove by, and I looked at, watched her in the rearview mirror. And as soon as I passed, she turned around, and went back in the bush. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. That is my sign. I asked for it. So that was a big piece of the trust of just stepping in, and. So doing that was a big one. I mean, that's a high load experiment of, of, you know, just trusting. But what I found over the last six years is the more I do that, and I've been doing bigger and bigger experiments as I get braver, um, the less I try and control the outcome, the less I try and cognitively plan out all of the outcomes, all of the reasons, when I just listen to what feels like the felt sense, life has surprised me and supported me and taken care of me in ways that are beyond anything that I could have ever imagined. Um, and life has been sweeter and just, just so held and has brought everything be, like beyond what I could ever ask for. So that has been my incentive to keep going is this, this freedom and this peace and this space and the connection with myself and this knowing. It's just freedom to me is, is why, why I encourage people to connect to this internal compass because that's the only place we can get free is listening to our own internal compass. Wow, Jen, that is such a beautiful story. Such a powerful story because I mean, we've been talking about apples and oranges and what should we have for dinner, but, but really these are the kinds of decisions that people sit with and feel uncertain you know, and feel afraid of. And um, these are the decisions that, that are life-changing. I met you shortly after you made that decision. And I remember uh, we were at a workshop uh, about stress, anxiety, and depression. And I was just starting my yoga journey. And 
And so I hadn't yet created such a, a powerful relationship to trust or my own internal compass at the time. But I remember the day that I met you at that, um, at that training, at that workshop, you sharing that you had just quit your job in corrections. And I just had this felt sense of woe at that time. And that it was such a powerful decision and really lit a spark in me um, to start listening to my own heart and, and following my own compass in a, in a similar, a few steps behind you journey in some ways, but, um, you know, but, but I can really appreciate that. And I know in the moment or at that time, how powerful it was, we never talked about signs before I've done that as well, asked for signs. And it is an interesting practice. I don't do it often, but there's been a few times with a few big decisions that I have. And I also have been somewhat surprised that the universe will deliver on a sign. So I, I love that story of old. Um, I would be curious, Jen, is there anything else today that you'd like to share with us, with me, with our, with your listeners about your journey um, in, in learning to practice making aligned decisions? Is there any other, anything else that we should know about, you know, what it's like to listen to our hearts, for to, to listen to our internal compass, that felt sense of, of yes or no? Well, the biggest thing that I point that I can stress is that it will look different for everyone. This isn't a one size fix all. It isn't, uh, you know, here's the recipe for finding freedom. I mean, the path of yoga is the path of freedom. There's a, there's a broad spectrum way that we can lean into this. And it's all about connecting to ourselves more. So whatever it looks like for you to create space for yourself to connect to internally. So it might be, you know, it might be being in nature. It might be turning on your favorite music and cooking. It might be having a yoga practice. It might be having a meditation practice, starting to listen to what feels good in your body, starting to find practices that connect you to your breath, to your movement, um, to yourself. And so finding somebody that you trust to hold space for you. Um, I've spoken to this many times through the yoga therapy lens of, you know, learning to become a yoga therapist is it's not our, it's not our job to have the answers for people. It's only our job to hold space and to ask good questions and hold each other through good experiments, which is why I love having this conversation with you so much because it's not so much about giving answers. Like you said before, it's, can we just hold safe space for each other? I mean, even from a science lens, our nervous systems can co-regulate together. Like we can, we can, we can use these practices to find safety for ourselves, which is wonderful to find safety and connection and, you know, a safe space to connect internally, but we can also do this together. So you and I working together right now, we're holding space for each other. Our nervous systems are like mirroring each other. We know we're safe. We know we can explore these questions together. And so finding someone, finding a community or a person to, to have these trusted conversations with. And it's not seeking answers necessarily, but just connecting to that, what feels like that full body yes for you 
um, either on your own or with somebody you trust. Um, it's a great way to start. Thank you, Jen. You are um, just a wealth of wisdom and knowledge. And I feel so grateful to be walking this path with you, to be, um, yeah, to share space with you, to learn from you and, um, and to live into these kinds of questions. So thank you for all that you've shared today and um, for being my friend, for being a mentor, for just, for just being yourself and for sharing so, um, so much from the heart. Uh, so thank you. It's been an absolute honor to share this conversation with you. And I hope that we can do more in the future uh, just to hold space and ask good questions and uh, give our listeners some experiments to play with, some low load experiments and start listening to that uh, body's internal compass. What, you know, feeling their way into what feels like a full body, yes. Um, and just uh, living from that place of internal connection. It's a, it, it is the path to freedom. Absolutely. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful to have somebody to share these conversations with who gets everybody excited, maybe even more so than me about uh, having these conversations. So I'd really like um, you to let our listeners know how they can find you and connect with you. You do a lot of wonderful teaching in the community. Um, holding space for others. So I would love for you to share with the listeners how to find you, how to reach you, how to connect with you. Thank you, Jen. So my my business is uh, Yara Yoga and my website is uh, yara.yoga. And I believe my Instagram is yarayoga.duluth. I'd have to look to be sure, um, but you can find me there. And again, my name is, is Amy Fogarty. So um, Thank you, Jen. And I would love to have more conversations like these in the future. Absolutely. Well, I will post the links for how to find Amy in the uh, podcast links and the posting that will go along with this, with today's po podcast. So thanks again, Amy. Thanks to all the listeners and uh, look forward to more of these conversations in the future. Thanks everyone. Have a wonderful day.